Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Home Birth Experience. We are so excited to have you listening in today for this exciting episode with Sydney and Cooper, who delivered their first little baby girl, Junia, back in the spring. And I'm joined today also with my amazing co-host, Christina Maddox. Christina, we haven't been together for a podcast in so long. I know. Hi, everybody. Isn't it awesome to be together again? Yeah. Yeah. So we have dialed in Sydney and Cooper. Are you there? Hey. How are you doing today? Good. How are you guys? Great. Great. We are enjoying the summer weather and we don't want it to end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so we had an amazing journey. It was over, was it over a year ago that we first met? Maybe. Yeah, it, it was probably about a year ago. Because yeah. I got to you when I was super early in my pregnancy. <laughs> Yeah, I remember driving to Sandusky to meet you, and it was hot summer weather, and it was it was so, so awesome when I first met you guys, and I just remember thinking, oh, I hope they hire me because I really like them. <laughs> yeah, we felt the same way. I, like, didn't want to seem too eager calling you back, but we, we knew right away. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's great. So... I want to jump into this podcast and ask you a few questions. And the first one is, how and why did you decide to have a home birth? Um, yeah, so I think that we, first off, wanted to, well, we have experienced kind of how the modern Western medical system doesn't necessarily put the patient at first always um you know just with the idea of doctors kind of being focused on getting people in and out and prescribing things just to treat symptoms rather than get to the root cause and stuff um so we knew that we wanted our birth journey to be intimate and have the person who is delivering our baby to Um, be invested in us as people and really have our best interest in mind rather than just trying to get us in and out as quickly as possible. And so we figured that the home birth scene was uh, the best way to do that. Yeah, I feel like I really wanted to have an empowered birth. And I just felt like that for me that that would happen at home. I love it. Mm -hmm. That's such a great explanation as to why why you would choose a home birth for sure so how did you um decide what it was you would look for in a midwife um well i i like didn't know a ton about birth obviously it was my first time being pregnant um so i just like wanted when I was interviewing midwives so I interviewed you and another gal and then I had a couple of other people that in mind maybe like if I if I didn't like you (laughs) Um, but I was looking for someone who would just answer my questions without judgment and um I feel like something that was really awesome about meeting with you was you just had this like quiet calmness like you weren't like prideful or I don't know you were just like so confident and calm and like I feel like you answered all my questions with without judgment and you continued to do that throughout my entire pregnancy which I really appreciated but um I feel like that's really that was really important for me um to have someone doing my care that I felt like was confident and that would answer my questions and was knowledgeable and just like really loving. Yes. Yeah, I would say for me, obviously number one priority is to have someone who knows what they're talking about and seems very competent. But also I think the X factor that you bring to the table um, is just being some one who we are immediately comfortable around yeah you know especially because birth is so intimate and you know 
know, like Sydney is not going to be wearing all of her clothes. And, you know, I don't know, like you're essentially pooping in front of someone just <laughs> with a baby. Uh, so you definitely have to be very comfortable around those people. And I think it was kind of one of those things where, you know, we had interviewed someone else before and it just wasn't the same kind of immediate um connection and level of comfortability so that was a huge plus for us yeah yeah guys this is christina talking and i have to agree with you um about julia just like the peaceful aura that she has around her it's just like you can feel it it's so amazing but i wanted to ask you um did you have any fears going into your birth your home birth or any fears around birth before before any of it I think I just had fears of, like, common things that people say, like, oh, just wait, like, oh, you're going to do unmedicated, like, we'll see about that. So just, like, doubts that came, I guess, from other people's opinions. Not that I doubted my body's ability to do it, but just, you know, I feel like our, our society, the norm is not to have a home birth. So I think I was just, like, really curious about it and kind of how it would actually like happen and work and but I feel like throughout pregnancy as we met with um both of you guys that it just became really clear like just how it unfolded and how we became more knowledgeable about the process um I can't really think of any like exact fears that I had though Mm -hmm. like specific things so Cooper from a dad's perspective because I hear a lot of comments from women, well, my husband's terrified. I can't get him on home on board with a home birth and you know, what if, what if, what if? So I mean, could you address that for the audience, for the men out there that are are in that place of, oh my gosh, my my wife wants to have a home birth and you know, what questions should I ask the midwife and how should I feel about this and and you know, the fear that you may feel around it. Yeah, um, I think, first of all, I I was never very afraid of anything bad happening just because I know my wife and I know that she is capable of doing whatever she wants. So if she wants to have a home birth, then that's what's going to happen, you know? (laughs) Um, But also, too, I think for me personally, it is way less scary to give the power and control to my wife and I rather than surrendering our control to strangers who work hospital who like don't have a relationship with us you know I feel like the home birth experience is very empowering and um you know like we eventually found out that we were going to be having a daughter. So, you know, there's really no better way to bring a future powerful woman into the world than trusting the powerful woman you're married to. Um, So I don't know. I don't know if I have the best perspective because I was never really scared, but I think it's just because I trust my wife and I trust the design of her body and, you know, ultimately trust the Lord to allow us to have a safe home birth. Cooper's a very calm one in our relationship. I feel like I was the mom with more worries throughout, but I feel like you guys would address my worries and answer my questions, which is why I didn't really have like any like fears, I guess. Right. At least initially. Yeah. Cooper, I just have to say that was such a beautiful answer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you. I want to kind of jump to um, a different, not different topic, but something unique about your journey of becoming parents, because you were, in essence, parents before you had your own biological child. You were foster parents for quite some time before even conceiving your daughter. Could you share with the audience a little bit about that journey and how that may have impacted your pregnancy and birth? Yeah, so we decided to become foster parents before we ever tried for biological children. Um, We felt, even when we were just engaged, we felt a calling to 
just serve kids in that way. And um, it was just something that the Lord placed on both of our hearts. And so after we were, we had been married for, I think, two years, we decided to dive into foster care. And um, yeah, so we had a placement of two little guys um, for a total of two years. They um, got rehomed to a family member in um, February, right before our daughter was born. Um, but Yes, we had them throughout my entire pregnancy almost. And it was such an amazing experience, but an equally hard experience. And there were a lot of stressors that came along with um, parenting someone else's children, as well as just being foster parents and everything that that requires. Um, So it it was cool because they definitely, like, knew I was pregnant and they were invested in the little baby in my belly. Um, but it was also like a very hard and stressful season for me personally being pregnant, um, and kind of navigating that a lot of times, um, throughout our journey in foster care, they were, it always felt like they were about to leave. Like they were about to get placed with someone else or a family member stepped forward or, you know, so it was hard knowing how long they were going to be with us and kind of how to navigate that, knowing that we were going to also obviously give birth to our daughter. So, yeah, it was challenging, but also cool. <laughs> yeah, I really commend you for that because you really sacrificed a lot to make the lives of those children better. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Being a foster parent was really cool for us, being foster parents. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was really cool to see it, too, from from the perimeter as your midwife. It was, it was neat to see your journey. So, let's see. When I met you, the first time I met you was the interview, and then you hired me, and I came back for your first prenatal. And even though I believe you might have seen the OB before your first prenatal, but you hadn't heard your baby's heartbeat. Was that right? Yeah. So I saw like a certified nurse midwife, um, just like separately to get some tests done and stuff. But yeah, yeah, I hadn't heard the heartbeat before. So I will never forget that day. It is forever ingrained in my, in my memory, (laughs) in my heart. You know, a lot of people, when they meet me, they've already, gone for an early ultrasound they've already seen the baby and and you know you kind of just trusted and waited and I came and I offered to try to find the baby's heartbeat with my Doppler and you and Cooper both wanted to to try and I remember you laying on the couch in your living room by that beautiful front window and we found it yeah. and I, all of us just started crying yeah I like felt like it was like unreal because it felt like she was well I didn't even know it was a girl at the time but I felt like the baby was too small to have a heartbeat so it just felt surreal you know I was barely barely had a bump and I didn't even I guess I didn't even realize that people went and um like had heard the heart hear the heartbeat so early on because I didn't get an early ultrasound so I didn't know that that was part of it so yeah, I was super excited by that, and I don't know. You just hear so many um, like horror stories and sad stories of um, you know loss in the first trimester, and so I was so eager to hear the heartbeat and just like it just solidified it and made it feel so real that there was life growing inside of me. Yeah, it was such a special moment, and I'll never forget as I was leaving. Cooper said. Julia, thank you so much. You're a miracle worker. And I almost, I was like about to cry and laugh at the same time because I was like, no, Cooper, you and Sydney are like, you made, you created this miracle with God in her womb. You know, I just, I just had this simple little device to hear the heartbeat. It's you that did it. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So would you mind talking a little bit about what, your prenatal care experience was with me yeah so I feel like um, my prenatal care with you 
obviously like the birth was amazing and the labor but um like the prenatal care with a midwife is like where it's at you know like um so you guys came christina joined more towards the end of my pregnancy but julia you came all like i felt like you were just caring for us all the time like obviously at first it wasn't as often but um you would come to our house and we would usually just chit chat for a while and then um you would do, you know, I'd do like my pee test and we would find the heartbeat. And um, I just felt like so involved in my own care and um, just like heard and understood and listened to. And I feel like, you know, we became like really good friends and it was, it was so different than typical care from going into a doctor's office um our appointments were like usually close to an hour and like I said like we would just basically hang out and I just yeah I really appreciated that aspect of it it made me feel obviously so comfortable with you and um yeah it I I loved our care that we had do you feel like building that relationship during prenatal care made you feel more comfortable and made it easier for you to let go during labor? Oh yeah, definitely. I feel like because you were there, like I, I knew that you were so knowledgeable, first of all, from all of our prenatal care. And I knew like that we had a firm foundation of a relationship. So I definitely felt more comfortable letting go in front of you and I also like respected your guidance through my labor. So like if you suggested something during my labor, then like I trusted it immediately, you know, because I had, we had that relationship where I knew I could trust you and I knew that you had my best interest in mind and that you were invested in our birth. So that was really awesome. That is really good to hear. <laughs> so in your third trimester, we determined that your baby was in a breech lie and first it was if I remember correctly we were kind of questioning and then we had Patsy come and do an ultrasound at my house for you and and that confirmed that little Junia was sitting with her little rump down there <laughs> she's just sitting up yeah. proud <laughs> like here I am <laughs> so can you talk about how that changed or affected your mindset that late in your pregnancy yeah that was really hard um I think I was just I felt a, a lot of things um, I think one of the things I felt was disappointed because I I feel like it, in my head, disqualified me from being able to have the birth that I kind of envisioned. And so it was hard with, like, I think after that point, I had a lot more fears and worries. Like, going back to your question earlier, I had a lot of fears about what my birth would look like. Um like, I didn't really know a ton about breech babies and delivering them besides the fact that they were butt or feet down. And, um, yeah, I just think it kind of changed my mindset negatively, if I'm being honest. Like, I just had a lot of, a lot of fear and I just felt kind of like, like, why is my body doing this? Or what did I do to make her flip or, you know, just having a lot of self-doubt in that way and being hard on myself, I think. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really hard because you know, you always hear like, obviously it's best to deliver a baby head down and especially having a home birth and not being medicated or anything like that. I wanted to have this, this birth that I had been envisioning, you know, so it was really hard for me to kind of come to terms with that because it was like really late in my pregnancy. I want to say it was like week 38 or something like that. It was, so it was like very shocking. Mm -hmm. It was Cooper. How did it make you feel? 
Cooper is up with Junia right oh, now. Okay. He woke up. <laughs> That's okay. So we can ask him later. But um, I remember you, I connected you with, I know at least one of my previous clients who had had breech bursts at home. And, you know, I, I agree with you. And you've kind of envisioned something going a certain way your whole pregnancy. And then all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, my gosh, it's not going to go that way. Now what? Yeah, you know, that totally. has to be really hard to wrap your mind around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it was really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did you then come to the conclusion that, okay, she more than likely is going to stay breech and I'm going to proceed with a home birth? Yeah. So we tried a lot of things to flip her but obviously we were really short on time and she was very large because I was already you know super late in my pregnancy about 38 weeks or something like that um and so I remember you reached out to me and you're like you know we need to have a conversation about delivering breach at home and I was super worried about it and I I just like cried all the time in these last weeks of my pregnancy and I remember entering into the conversation with you and we just talked about like basically the risks of you just wanted to be upfront with me about the risks of delivering at home or what could be different about delivering at home with a breech baby and after we had that conversation and after talking about it with Cooper I felt like I wanted to move forward with having the home birth. I felt like we were going to be able to do it. Um, Like you said, you had connected me with a couple of women who had delivered breach at home, which was super cool and super empowering. And um, just like hearing their perspective and story was really good for my heart. I feel like to be like, okay, no, like she did it and you know, it can be done. And one of them was the surprise breach. I think Mm -hmm. you had her on the show before, Mm -hmm. but, um, so that was cool talking to her too. But, um, so yeah, we just kind of like weighed like the pros and cons and the risks. And we decided that we still wanted to at least try for a birth at home. And, um, yeah. Also Cooper's here now. (laughs) (laughs) So Cooper, I was just asking when you were up with Junia, um, what was going through your mind when we determined that your baby was in a breech position and how you decided to continue with a home birth? Yeah, um, I would say for the most part, kind of my ignorance was my bliss. I, <laughs> well, so I am a twin, so my mom delivered us and I was breech and I grew up knowing that so I didn't think breech was as big of a deal as it might be and I didn't know that if we were to be in the hospital that they wouldn't even try to allow Sydney to deliver vaginally with breech like it's pretty much an automatic c-section I didn't know that till after the fact Um, so it didn't necessarily do anything to make me less confident. I just thought it was going to be more complicated, but that's, that would have all been on you, you know, (laughs) because you're the one delivering the baby. I was just like, my job is to support Sydney however I can. And, um, actually getting the baby out is Julie and Christina's job. So (laughs) as long as they feel confident then I'm confident. And we were confident. I, you know, breach is a variation of normal. It's not abnormal. And I think that that's what so many people um, are trained probably by the medical community to not believe um, because they don't do vaginal breach deliveries in the hospital and they treat it as an emergency and, you know, you shouldn't even do a trial of labor. And that trial of labor, a baby going through labor, it's so beneficial to the baby. So, so beneficial. Yeah. So even in the end, if you don't end up delivering vaginally, that labor has great benefits to the baby. And it just breaks my heart that, you know, women that are seeing an OB don't have that option. I mean, 
Dr. Stu, yeah. I don't know who else in the country delivers vaginal breach. I'm sure there's a, a handful of them out there, but, but they're rare. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a variation of normal and I supported your choice to stay at home 100% and you went into labor and you did an absolutely amazing job laboring at home for over 24 hours mm -hmm. in hard yeah. labor. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's funny because, <laughs> you know, this was my first birthing experience and I was so excited to go into labor. You know, I went, um, 41 weeks in one day or something like that before I went into labor and you had been telling me the whole time like oh first moms always go over their like quote quote due date you know it's not a real due date and I was like I'm so eager to just have this baby <laughs> and um so I I went into labor and I was like so excited and I had like so much energy at first and just like uh like zippy mindset I was like I don't know I was like in a really good mood and like just really excited to be in labor and um I started laboring at I think it like got you know like I was like oh this is the real deal around like 9 p.m um but I I didn't want to call you yet so I tried to go to sleep but I was just so excited <laughs> and so I like laid down and then I would get up and I'd be like don't worry Cooper you can sleep but then I'd be like talking a bunch and he's like okay let's just get up and so I I really regret that now <laughs> yeah what did your midwife tell but, you to do <laughs> yeah and so I think I called you around like two or three. Yep. And I feel like what was interesting about my labor, looking back on it, was my contractions were always pretty close together, um, like throughout the whole thing. Like there were times when they weren't, but even from the beginning, I felt like it was time to call you because they felt intense at the time. They got way more intense later. So like now knowing for a future birth um like I would probably know better but um they were really close together like I feel like weren't they like five minutes apart like around two or three when we called yeah so um so yeah we called you and then everyone came and I remember um there was an another their midwife Barbara assisting and I think you guys described me as like quote quote too bouncy and you were like no she's <laughs> she's not <laughs> she's not in active labor she's too bouncy and so um I believe a little bit after me being too bouncy my water broke and then stuff got real <laughs> yeah because I and I had put you to bed I, yeah, I had gone like, up to, to your sleep. room and had the come to Jesus conversation with you. Sydney, <laughs> this could go on for a whole nother day or more. I know you're really excited, but you have to lay down. But Julia, I can't lay down. I mean, I'm really excited. I keep having yeah. contractions. And, and I was like, I know, and I'm really excited too, but those, those little breaks in between contractions, you really just got to soak up that energy. And finally, you were like, okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So you lay down and then bam, your water breaks. <laughs> yeah, like not that long after. Um, so yeah, my water didn't break, obviously, until I was in labor. And um, so yeah, we knew Junio's breach. And when my water broke, there was um, just like some slight meconium. Um, but we um, figured out it was probably just because her butt was near the vaginal opening, like near the cervix, um, which that was like an interesting part of my labor. I'm sure you guys remember this, but like uh, during almost every contraction, I had like meconium coming out. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I labored pretty much in a diaper, um, <laughs> which was funny looking back on it. Um, but you were so cute too. Yeah. Your little, your little sports bra and your beautiful belly and your diaper and you're just you are walking funny. around the house and we're taking <laughs> pictures of you like, oh, isn't she gorgeous? Yeah, 
Yeah, they were at least like those Depends diapers, so they were like a little bit more feminine, I guess, but (laughs) I don't know if I would say cute. (laughs) But yeah, so like, I feel like my biggest downfall was that I didn't rest in the beginning, and so when things started getting really hard, I was just also really tired, and so that was hard for my mindset, um, I think, for a little while, and... Um, I remember, I think you had like another come to Jesus conversation with me and I went up and I actually rested and I, I didn't get a ton of sleep, but I got like a little bit of shut eye between contractions. And then I took a shower and I came out of the shower, like a new woman and I was like ready to go and just had like a different mindset about contractions, um, about my contractions coming on and, um, I absolutely loved laboring at home. Like I labored in my room. I took several showers. We set up the birthing pool for a little bit. I did laps around my house. We took a walk in our neighborhood, which my neighbors probably thought I was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I like it was such an amazing experience being able to move around how I wanted, be where I wanted eat what I want, make any sounds that I wanted, be in any position that I wanted, use any tools that I wanted, um, have my whole team there and have Cooper supporting me, um, like just how we felt, like just how we felt in the moment I needed to be supported or what position I needed to be in to, um, move through contractions and move the baby down, um, So, yeah, um, after a while, you guys had checked me, and I feel like, so I labored for a while, and you checked me, and I think I was still three centimeters, and then that's when I, like, changed my mindset, and then we checked me, we got, I had, (laughs) I had you guys check me a little bit later, and I was I was progressing, which was really also good for my mindset, knowing that my body was doing what it was supposed to do um, and that I was getting closer to meeting baby because, like I said, I was really tired. And um, it's just it's really hard work. It just is. And it's amazing, but it's really hard. Um, So, yeah, uh, trying to think of. So we checked you and I think you were about six centimeters and you were really making some good progress and we were encouraging you to rest and then I was forcing scrambled eggs in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, it was so hard to um, want to eat. Like I didn't really feel like I wanted to eat but I felt like that was really awesome that you guys were there like encouraging me to continue eating because I felt like eating really did keep my energy up and um you know just gave me the sustenance I needed to continue like this hard body work you know um yeah so then I think towards might have been after dinner time that then we checked you again and you were about eight centimeters and we were all like Woohoo! You're going, you're going, you're going. And you're still really tired, but I think at that point, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you kind of had like another burst of like, uh, I can do this, endurance, enthusiasm, like I'm going to do it. Yeah, I feel like eight centimeters sounded so close to 10. And Mm so I was like, not that much longer, you know, like I can do this. it started to get really intense the whole time basically throughout my labor I had really intense back labor and so honestly that was like the most challenging part physically um with like the sensations was the sensation that I felt in my back it was really intense um and so a lot, some of the times I, I would feel it coming on, I'd go, no, and you would go, yes, you have to welcome it in. <laughs> yep. Don't say no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think at around that point, we determined that she was maybe kind of like at an angle, right? Yep. 
and we were trying all of these, um, like we were trying rocking with one of my, like one foot up on a chair. I was sitting on the toilet laboring, which is, was for me a really intense location to labor. Oh yeah. Um, so it kind of got like the real deal around eight centimeters when we were doing all those things that it was like, like the hard work we were putting in the hard work Mm -hmm. (laughs) truly and I felt like it was like all hands on deck at that point like everyone was attentive and you know we were just trying to trying to get this baby out (laughs) we were doing all the things to help her get in a better position because what was happening she was coming down and basically filling half of your your vaginal canal and your cervix was kind of slipping over to the side. So we needed her to fill the whole thing in order for the cervix to open the rest of the way. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So, so we got a little more progress. We got to nine centimeters and she was a little bit better positioned. And at a certain point, I could almost, you know, just barely see presenting parts. And you were sitting on the toilet this time. And and then we decided to move back to the bed. And I was listening to the heartbeat. And the pattern started to become non-reassuring. And we were seeing her heart rate go down more than we liked. But then it would come back up and then it was just consistently staying lower than than we like to see at home. So I don't know that you and I have ever talked about what that felt like for you when we were discovering that. Yeah, so it was like a really bizarre experience thinking back on it because um, I like if I'm being completely honest, I just kind of wanted it to be over. And so I remember I was kind of resting in bed. And then when I would have a contraction, I would try to get on all fours to see if it felt like I needed to push it all. And I remember I was laying on my back um, between contractions, kind of resting. And I remember you saying to me, like, like, Sydney, it's not safe anymore to you know, continue trying this at home. And it just felt like, it was like, almost like I was in a movie. Like, it was like, almost like an out of body experience. Like, I felt like I was eerily calm. I don't know if it felt like that from the outside, but internally I was like, I just was like, okay. And I just like, like I just wanted her to be safe. And so I feel like we just, like everything just happened so fast after that not in like and not in a panicked way like it we just did it you know we just Mm -hmm. did what we needed to do to move forward with our labor and our birth and um it was like I definitely felt like kind of like that pit of like your stomach sinking into your butt kind of feeling but I was also like I felt like this sense of calm come over me and I like, I really feel like that was the Lord, like, just, like, entering into that moment with me because I even remember during one part of our labor, I was, like, I was feeling, like, a little bit emotional, and I remember you saying, like, let's talk through this, like, what are you afraid of? Because I was, I was kind of afraid to let my body go through the contractions at certain points, and I remember saying to you, like, I'm afraid I'm going to have to go to the hospital and get a C-section, and I remember you saying, like, I can't promise that that's not going to happen, but like, you know, we're going to push these through these contractions. We're going to bring your baby safely. And so like knowing that, like for myself, that that was my biggest fear and it was like about to happen. I just like, it was really, really scary. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I feel like this, the fact that I was able to like calmly, pack a bag, get in the car and go is like definitely from the board, just mm-hmm. entering into that with me and kind of protecting my heart and, um, like protecting our physical bodies as well. Yeah. So a lot of people ask me what a transport looks like. So Christina, I'm wondering, can you share what this particular scene was like for you? 
it's just like Sydney described. Um, she was so calm and it was like such a moment of grace and everything just fell right into place and I couldn't believe how swiftly we all acted and we were out the door so fast and with no panic and it just it just was perfect and you didn't really know what was going on right I don't remember from your perspective like you said I came downstairs and said something Uh uh-huh can you share that you you just you asked me to come upstairs and then you did heart tones and that's when you, you you said that to Sydney that it was no longer safe to proceed and Sydney just jumped right up and I just started cleaning up all of our tools and I loaded up the car and I got everything loaded up just at the exact same time everybody else got everything loaded up and we loaded up the cars and everybody we all left at the exact same time Cooper how did it feel for you um, well, I mean, I, I think that I felt pretty similar to Sydney, you know, like it was after a very long time of being awake and not eating a whole lot and being there to support her. And then to hear that what she voiced was one of her biggest fears was coming to reality. It was kind of shocking, you know, I guess I would say my biggest feeling was just I was disappointed that Sydney wasn't going to have the birth experience that she hoped for the for our entire pregnancy but I really appreciated how even though Julia knew that this was something Sydney did not want to have happen she still um, was not afraid to like enter into that space and say this is what needs to be done in order to take care of you guys um so that was really cool and then i would like to think i was calm but i also remember i almost ran christina over <laughs> in the driveway and then uh all, all the doors we all the doors were closed because it was it was almost midnight at, at the, the hospital. hospital we went through like three different entrances and i think i threw a few curse words out there <laughs> But uh oh definitely we were like yeah. <laughs> we were on one yeah but other than that i would say in hindsight let's pretend that was very calm <laughs> you did a fabulous job yeah. i'm just glad that i saw christina and told you to stop <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> so i rode with you to the hospital and you were uh, my first transport during COVID and I, that was probably the worst feeling I've ever had as a midwife. I don't think I've ever, like, it it was awful to watch you guys walk through those doors and I just stood there like, Mm -hmm. oh my God. And then I was waiting for somebody to come pick me up because I rode in your car with me. I'm just standing in this empty parking lot in the middle of the night like, oh my God, I just left them. I abandoned them. Like, I can't be with them. It was devastating. Yeah, that was really hard. Like, I obviously knew that you, that we would probably have a C-section and you wouldn't be allowed in, but um, it was hard not having you come in with us for sure. So here is what is, in my opinion, a little bit mind-blowing. Tell the audience from the time that you checked into triage to the time your daughter was born, what was that time frame? Yeah, so I think we got checked in at 11.46, and she was born at 12.03. Yep. Yeah, which was amazing, but also very stressful. I would even say traumatic. Um, I I mean, I think it it was traumatic because your baby's heart rate was still doing well. She was still stable. But it was like, I mean, I called ahead to tell them what we were bringing in and to let them know what went on during labor and, and all the details, because obviously I couldn't accompany you because of the restrictions due to COVID. And they were like, okay, great, great. And they were really nice on the phone. And I, I think I remember you saying at a certain point, like you had this little glimmer of hope that maybe they would just let you try to push the baby out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was just like praying for that. I was paying for that, but But they knew that you were um, carrying a baby with a breech presentation, and and it just proves that doctors aren't trained to deliver breech vaginally, even if if you were able to, just the fear. I mean, they wanted to push you through that quick. 
I mean, it just shocks yeah. me how quickly she was born. Yeah. So when we went in, since we had called ahead, they had everything, you know, ready to go. Um, I had, since she was breached, I had like a, a emergency hospital birth plan written out, like typed out. Um, and I asked them to please look at it. And I remember the OB said to me, I was like, I said, can we please discuss this? Can we discuss the plan? And she said to me, the plan is you're having a C-section and we're going in right now. And I felt like I was still in active labor, obviously. So, and it was very emotional. I was going through this like hard physical, these hard physical contractions and I was exhausted. And I just remember like, feeling so defeated by her saying that because like you said I had a a glimmer of hope that maybe I would get there and I'd be able to talk to the physician about you know maybe with heart rate monitoring trying for a little bit longer to labor or at least them reading my emergency cesarean birth plan um you know because I even we ended up having the c-section and a lot of things that I felt like weren't that big of asks didn't happen like she wasn't laid on my chest right away and um they didn't delay cord clamping and um I had asked about keeping the placenta but they um said it was medical waste I asked to see it and and they just showed it to me for like a literal second. They, were, I think they were like annoyed that I wanted to see it. It was all like, it was really traumatic. I was, um, I, I had to get um, like the spinal put into my back, you know, obviously for the procedure. And I was still having contractions. And um, I remember the anesthesiologist was like really upset with me because I was like, very verbal during my contractions and um I think what happened was he was trying to put it in while I was having a contraction and he honestly did kind of like yell at me um and I remember one of the nurses just like holding me and being like it's okay it's okay because I at that point my calmness was gone and I I was freaking out so um you know I feel like once I got into the OR and it was real I kind of just you know I started freaking out and poor Um, Cooper got left behind. Yeah. So they obviously needed him to like gown up and put the hairnet thing on and everything like that. And they obviously felt like it was such an emergency that I needed to go in before him. And I, I was seriously begging them like, please don't start without Cooper. Like he needs to be here. My husband needs to be here. And he did get in there before she was born, but do you want to talk about what that was like for you? It was like, I, I like kind of blacked out. <laughs> um, go ahead. Yeah, it was just crazy. Like I finally get into the room and I go up by Sydney's head just to talk to her and, you know, I'm just trying to make her feel comfortable um, and like still let her know that I'm proud of her, even though it's not happening the way that she wants it to go. And then all of a sudden I get a tap on my shoulder from the anesthesiologist. He's like, Hey, uh, you, you want to go over and meet your daughter? And then I look over and she's already in the little incubator warming table thing. Like they already <laughs> pulled her out and I had no clue. It all happened so quickly. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's just shocking. And Obviously, I wasn't there, so I can't say for sure, but what you guys told me was that her heart rate was stable, you know, and it it still just blows my mind that they ran around like chickens with their head cut off just to get the baby out when it wasn't that urgent or acute. Yeah. Yeah. It's so unfortunate. I really wish that we could do something to change that mentality and you know, have you experienced something a little more gentle rather than being yelled at? I agree. And, um, I feel like even if it was a situation where it needed to be done quickly, um, 
There's I still no like reason for a bad biggest, bedside manner. Yeah, like, the biggest thing was no one told me what was happening. So, like, it was like, I'm putting this IV in you. Then they are gonna they were, like, injecting medicine. And I'm like, what is that? You know, what are you doing? Like, what? why do I have to take this? You know, I just felt like no one was keeping me informed. And, yeah, the bedside manner wasn't super awesome either. Yeah, it's horrible because... Our health and well-being, when we collaborate with a provider, it should be a shared decision-making process with informed consent. You know, informed consent is where it's at. And it eliminates fear and question in the client. So anyway, I won't go on that soapbox. I can feel (laughs) feel myself getting like all outraged. Like, oh, (laughs) Cause it, you know, it's just that, uh, our, the nurses for the postpartum care had very great bedside manner. Yeah. They were awesome. And I think kind of the vibe that I got was for the actual procedure. And it was almost like, because we attempted a home birth and then came to them when Sydney was already nine centimeters dilated, it was almost like we were like dumping a crisis on them or that's like how I felt like we were being treated, like almost as if they saw it as we tried an at-home limb amputation that didn't go well, (laughs) and then we had them fix it. You know, it's like, I don't know. But then after after the C-section everything, you know, all of the nurses were great. So it was really just our first experience, you know, being there. And I can understand from the doctor's perspective feeling like they just got a case dumped on them. And that's what's so unfortunate about um, midwives, home birth midwives and doctors not collaborating. Because if you collaborate and you form a relationship with the OB, then when they transport, they already know the client, they know the situation, they trust the midwife, and it doesn't feel like somebody is dumping something on them. So I can understand where they're coming from. But on the other side of that coin, it was a transport in a safe and timely fashion. It was not a disaster that we dropped out the door at all. You know, I mean, we really, we gave them fair warning. It was very timely. Nobody was in danger. And, you know, the outcome was what we wanted, a healthy mom and a healthy baby. Right. So, so leading into postpartum care, you stayed at the hospital for a period of time and you came home and I continued postpartum care with you. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about how your postpartum period went? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think, um, anyone's postpartum period is usually pretty emotional. Um, but I felt like my body had kind of failed me and I feel like that was something that like my body had failed me and Junia, I think was the biggest thing, um, that like I wasn't able to give her the benefits that come with a vaginal birth. Um, just kind of like those foundational, life things like the microbiome and being squeezed and you know all of those things that you learn about leading up to a home birth but um so that was really hard for me to I mean even just like for weeks afterwards to kind of um just like accept what happened and move through that and um but yeah it was really awesome having you come do my postpartum care because you know, obviously, like I said before, we just felt super comfortable with you. And after that experience, it just like felt really refreshing to be back like in your care. And, um, yeah, so it was, I thought like getting postpartum care at home was also super awesome. Um, I believe typically when you have a hospital birth, you just go back at six weeks right or is it like a week and six weeks or something Mm -hmm. um but you came um like a couple of days after we got home and then a week after the birth and then 
I forget how it goes after that, but you came fairly often. Um, and so we felt really supported by you. You were answering all of our questions about weird newborn things and breastfeeding. And, um, yeah, we just felt super supported by you and we felt super blessed to have, um, your care during the postpartum period too. So Sydney, going back to postpartum, I feel like you were really intentional about setting up your, your fourth trimester, and I wanted to hear you talk a little bit about, about that and just share with the audience, like, you know, what you know about the first 40 days and laying in and all of that. Yeah, so I tried to be prepared or at least become a little bit knowledgeable in um, my postpartum time because... I knew that it would be a big adjustment. Um, so I read a couple of books and, um, I feel like a couple of things were really, really helpful. So one was I set up little stations kind of around our house. So, um, I had like a little breastfeeding station with like, um, you know, nipple cream and I had silverette cups and, uh, just like different things for breastfeeding, um, my pump and stuff like that. And um, I had like postpartum care things in the bathroom. Um, you know, I initially had made like frozen pads and stuff like that, but I didn't use them um, obviously because I didn't deliver vaginally, but I was able to pass those on to um, a friend, but I still had, um, you know, the peri bottle and all that stuff like right by um, where I'd need it. And then we also spent a lot of time beforehand meal prepping and we created a lot of nutrient dense freezer meals that, um, Cooper would be able to just put right in the crock pot or the instant pot. Um, cause I, I really didn't come downstairs. Like we stayed in our, me and the baby stayed in our room for a couple of weeks. Um, like we would come down for you know, a few things, but we really did room in and, um, just laid low in our bed. And honestly, like I have been telling people that even though it wasn't optimal to birth during COVID, it was kind of nice that it was just us three and we were able to do that. We really didn't have any visitors until I think like the third week postpartum and that was really nice. And I think when I was processing through, all the emotional stuff it was it was good for us to just lay low and have all those things in place um and just feeling like you know those things weren't things that I was worried about since they had already been organized and put into place Mm -hmm. absolutely that fourth trimester is really really crucial in the overall healing and well-being and emotional place that you're in and being well prepared for that is is just it's so great I'm so proud of you for how you prepared thanks (laughs) so um one of the last things I wanted to talk about but I keep this keeps like just it's in my mind and I have to get it out the whole placenta thing I didn't make any comment on that that's so frustrating that's your organ and it you are entitled to keep it it's illegal for them to not give it to you it's so frustrating to me that they think that they own part of your body that's literally part of your body and they think they own it and have rights to it to do whatever they want yeah it was really frustrating i remember like i was saying like like, I don't know, maybe Cooper would know better because I kind of, like, blacked out. But I, I remember saying, like, I want to see my placenta. Like, I want to see it. I want to see it. And then they, like, literally just, like, flashed it in front of my face. And I wanted to, like, really look at it, you know? Yeah. Like, I was so, like, interested in looking at it. And I thought it was so amazing. And, yeah, I feel like, you know, that was just one aspect that was a letdown of many. But that was a huge bummer for sure. Yeah, I mean, when I was apprenticing, my preceptor didn't always examine the placenta in front of the client. And it's not that she didn't offer or want to, but it was, I don't know, it was just kind of her routine to like go into the kitchen and do it. But I always offer to do it in front of the client if they want to see it and explain to them like 
what the different parts of it are and the purpose and where their baby was and showing them the sack and how it comes out of them. And, you know, cause it's part of your body. You grew an entire yeah. organ and a baby, you know, it's just, yeah. it's so amazing. But anyway, okay. I'll get off that soapbox. I just, <laughs> I had to just touch on that cause it kept coming back in my head anyway. So moving forward, um, one of the last things I wanted to talk to you about was your breastfeeding journey. So I saw you, you know, like a day or two after you came home and then a week, two weeks, four weeks, six weeks. And I can't remember at what visit it was that we talked about Junia having a tongue tie and po you possibly getting that released, but you did eventually yeah. decide to get it released. So I don't, you know, if you want to share anything about that. Yeah, I think so. Even in the hospital, when the lactation consultant came by, um, they had said that she could potentially have a post posterior tongue tie. And then it's just so hard to know without experiencing it before what is normal pain with new breastfeeding and what is not normal. And so that was really helpful when you came to kind of watch us and help us with the latch and positioning and everything and then obviously like you were able to look inside of her mouth too um and so I think it was kind of like we after a couple of visits like we kept trying different things and then we had the conversation about potentially getting the like going to the dentist and having it released and I think we ended up having that done at, at she was like three weeks old Mm -hmm. So we did wait a little bit. Um, I wanted to establish the breastfeeding relationship and it wasn't severe. Even when we went in, they said it wasn't severe, but, um, since it was affecting the breastfeeding, um, relationship, we did decide to go ahead and get it done and they were in agreement with that. But, um, you know, we just had some of the signs of, you know, like she was super gassy and grunty. And I remember she would cry when she was feeding, which just like broke my heart and um sorry if this is tmi but my nipples kind of looked like lipstick and you know mm -hmm. i had a lot of signs that like something was up with our latch and so after we got the tongue tie and she had a minor lip tie released um our nursing relationship has been really amazing since then and and i'm not gonna say like flawless but really good <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and she has been gaining and growing and just flourishing. She's such a little sweetheart. Yeah, she's a little chunker butt. <laughs> so is there anything else that you or Cooper want to share with the audience before we wrap this up? I don't think so. Cooper? No, I mean, I, I would just say that for anyone who's on the fence, I would just try to talk to any midwives you can to see if any are a great fit and, um, you know, continue to go through the decision-making process um, as the due date gets closer. But uh, you are getting great prenatal care the entire time that you don't have to travel for. Um, so, you know, I think the more uh, exposure you get to the home birth scene, the more that it makes sense. So I would just say if you're on the fence or your spouse is on the fence, just get that exposure and then you'll have a better informed decision-making process. That's awesome. I totally agree with that. Thank mm -hmm. you. I really appreciate both of you taking the time to chat with us, be here with us this evening and share your story. It's such a beautiful and empowering story. And I'm so grateful that you shared it with the audience. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. It's been fun. Absolutely. Well, you guys take care and have a great night. You too. You too. See ya. Bye. Bye. Well, everyone, wasn't that a great episode of the Home Birth Experience? Christina, you usually take it from here. <laughs> I love putting her on the spot. <laughs> What did you think of hearing that story after being at that labor? Oh, I loved hearing it because I haven't heard Sydney's, I haven't heard her story yet from her perspective. So it's, it's, 
I'm glad to hear it. I know. It's always, I mean, I feel like every time I hear somebody's birth story, I'm like reliving it and it, it's just beautiful. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah, you get transported back. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So that was awesome. We have to get some more people um, in the queue to share their stories. Yeah. Bring some more interesting episodes. But for this weekend, I think we have some fun plans. One of our clients is hosting a big summer party, and she was gracious enough to invite all the Cleveland home birth mamas. So hopefully we'll get to see each other at the party. I'm really looking forward to that. Me too. It's always a good time when we get together. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So everyone, stay healthy, stay sane during this COVID experience, and subscribe, rate, and review to the Home Birth Experience. Check us out at clevelandhomebirth.com, Instagram, Cleveland Home Birth, Facebook, Cleveland Home Birth, and we hope you have a great week. (laughs) Bye, everyone. That's all for this week, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Please leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify and let us know what you think. We really appreciate your support. Tune in next week for another episode of the Home Birth Experience. Until then, stay healthy, y'all. Bye. Bye.